Hi, and welcome to That's My Rini Podcast. My name's Alicia Myronic, and I am your host and creator of this fun new concept. But first, what exactly is Myrony? Well, Myrony, or my irony, are those crazy coincidences that happen in life that you just can't explain. It's also another word for sign or synchronicity. We've all experienced these throughout our lives. But what if you started paying closer attention to your myronies? What if you started connecting the dots? Or as I like to say, follow the spiritual breadcrumbs that could have an impact so big that it changes your life forever. Not to mention the lives of others. Now that's myrony. Hi, and welcome back to That's Myrony Podcast. My name is Alicia Myronic, and you may have noticed the intro to this episode is slightly different. Well, that's because I have an announcement to make. Unfortunately, my co-host and spiritual sidekick, Todd, is no longer able to do the podcast with me. Even though I am sad for him leaving, I am beyond excited for the reason. His amazing children's books that we've talked about in other episodes that he wrote with his wife, Jackie, are doing so well, Todd has decided he needs to put all his time and energy there. So going to give a huge shout out to their books, Max Rhymes, where if there are any kids in your life from the ages of zero to eight, you want to get these books. Dr. Bruce Lipton actually recommends them on their website, which is maxrhymes.com. And these are my go-to gifts for friends and family with little ones. And have to tell you, kids absolutely love these books. Now, getting back to the podcast from this point forward, I am gonna be your host, but I do plan on bringing on guest co-hosts at times. So of course, we'll be asking Todd to join us in the future. My next guest today is courtesy of another crazy Myronic connection, thanks to my Spidey sense nudging me to do certain things, which we're gonna get into very shortly. But first off, I would like to introduce the amazing super lawyer of Silicon Valley, whose firm, Computer Law Group, LLP, is known as a boutique law firm for intellectual property for computer and high-tech clients, Jack Russo. So hi, Jack. I am so excited to have you as my guest today, because I believe the myronies we have to share are going to add quite a bit of color to our conversation, don't you think? Well, I have to say, I'm glad to be here. You're always sort of a bundle of joy and so much fun to be with. And we have this connection through Mark Cantor. And of course, I've known Mark for, I've been practicing for over four decades, and I've known Mark for over three, probably almost four, because he was a very early client. And I just remember at the time he came in, he had flown in from Chicago, where he had started a company called Video Works. And I don't know how much of this was covered in your previous discussion with him, but and I have to listen to that podcast because I'm obviously I'm a big believer in, in what you're doing. And I think it's really going to make a difference in the world in a way that all of us probably don't realize yet, but five years from now, we'll look back and say, yeah, we saw this wave cresting and it was gonna be big. But uh, he had this idea for this company called VideoWorks. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was sitting in my office and I see a lot of early stage entrepreneurs. I mean, literally 
in the garage and Mark was sort of still a bit in the garage. And he said, I'm going to create a whole new category for personal computers. And of course, personal computers had just really come on the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I said, okay, show me. And he, he, took, he took a disc out of his pocket and I had, of course, a bunch of equipment in my office and he popped it in and he showed me the beginning of animation on a PC, which was really a new category at the time. Now we take it for granted and it's readily available across the internet. But back then animation was a whole new thing. And it was like, you had text, you had numbers, you had graphics. You really didn't yet have music in a real way yet. The files were too big, but he said, Hey, this is going to be animation. And then the music will play into the animation and, this is going to be something really big. And it did. And he became very successful in a company that ultimately went public, if I remember it right. Macro Media, Macro Mind, and then yeah. Adobe. It, yeah, was quite exactly. a story. it was quite a story. And, and what I most remember is Mark was a very authentic guy because he came in and he reminded me, and I think I told you the story when I was at my first law firm, Davis, Stafford, Kelman, and Fenwick, now Fenwick and West, we saw Jobs and Wozniak and they were very much like these, you know, hippie style street people. And it was uh, like two guys in a garage saying, hey, we're going to change the world. And of course, they were disbelieved. And of course, you know, people that are geniuses are often disbelieved. And they said, we're going to start this company called Apple. And the partner at the time was like what you know apple it's a fruit what does that have to do with anything (laughs) and um you know they it's a long funny story but the short version of it is that the firm was offered a a nice chunk of what was to become apple stock because they weren't yet a corporation they were being formed they were asking for lawyers to form them and uh, the, there was a lot of disbelief. And the disbelief was typically around, you know, what are you doing? How are you going to do it? How are you going to compete against big companies like IBM? And I remember as a young lawyer asking the question, like, why did we not take Apple stock? That's, <laughs> and, you know, and the answer was, well, at the time they came in and number one, strike one, was that they didn't dress up for the meeting. Because back in those days, you know, we're going back now almost 50 years you got dressed up. You mm-hmm. got dressed up to see your lawyer. You got dressed up to go on a plane. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean you know, it was like a big deal. You right. got dressed right. up. And then, and so a lot of people said, yeah, this is Silicon Valley. We were all New Yorkers. So we had come west thinking we're going to leave Wall Street behind. And we want to have this more laid back practice. So I says, what, what was strike two? Well, they didn't. They smelled, they didn't even bathe for the meeting. They smelled so bad. And I remember thinking, they didn't dress up, okay. They didn't bathe for me. The inference should be they're working really hard. And you should give credit to that. These guys are working so hard, they can't even take the time to take a shower or get dressed up. So then the question was, well, what was strike three? And the answer came back, and I don't know if this is an R-rated show, but it was like, they have a stupid effing name <laughs> for the company. I was like, what? Apple? 
for a computer company. And I remember thinking, yeah, you know, Apple, that's pretty interesting. How? And I remember even asking, well, why did they explain why Apple? And the answer was a really good one, but it wasn't recognized by the lawyers there at the time. And I'm right. sure if we get some of them to listen to your podcast, they'll say, well, Russo doesn't have it right. But it'd be interesting to ask Bill Fenwick and, and actually Tim Todd was the corporate lawyer. Uh-huh. And Blake Stafford is one of the founders of the firm. And Joel Kelman is one of the founders. We should try to get them on the show just to see what they say about this and get them on my show to see what they say about this because I've told the story several times. And the, the answer was Job's vision was that he wanted that computer on the desk of every teacher in K through 12, or at least uh-huh. K through 8. And then by having it there, the kids would go home and would guilt the parents and say, hey, my teacher's got this computer box right on her desk. And she's typing on it and words are coming up and she's telling me that the future is we're all gonna have these computers on our desk, but can you get me one for Christmas? And these things were expensive back then. Yeah. This little yeah. pizza box thing was like 2000 bucks. It wasn't, and that's 2000 bucks, you know, back decades then. ago when it was worth maybe closer to seven or eight or 10. So think about that because you can buy a lot of computer power today for, you know, 500 bucks buys you a lot of horsepower. And -hmm. even these iPhones that you can get now used, I saw the latest used version of an iPhone 10 is like 200 bucks. This is a very powerful device, but they didn't take the stock. We didn't become billionaires. (laughs) We would have been billionaires would it be. And um, we all worked very hard. So we, we stayed in Silicon Valley. That firm grew very big. I remember I left and they said, why? And I said, you guys are not entrepreneurial enough. And I started what became Computer Law Group. And we see a lot of entrepreneurs like Mark Cantor. And of course, we, we look for the next jobs and next Wozniak. That's a very long answer to a very short question, but that's the connection. And there is a certain irony in the fact that you learn from these mistakes, but the mistakes stay with you. And then you start seeing analogies to, you know, that guy reminds me, not that Mark reminded me of Steve Jobs, but reminds me of somebody who shows up that's very authentic, smells bad, didn't dress up. Sorry, Mark, I'm not saying you smell bad. And we wouldn't know on Zoom anyway, but you know, it's like, this is a real guy that's putting his creative work ahead of everything else, everything else. And those two guys did that. And they really did propel that company to where it is today. It was the most valuable company in the world. It passed Exxon and a bunch of the other oil and gas companies. So I don't know where it is where Amazon and Tesla obviously keep competing, but that's a long answer of of sort of where I got my chops is take more and more. Now you see a lot of failure and you see a lot of wacky things. I mean, I saw the first virtual reality from the guy who invented it, Jaron Lanier, and there was a lot of disbelief about that. So when someone like you says, hey, I think that the future is gonna be really having people understand that there's a greater connection and looking at all the little breadcrumbs that get dropped, it may sound, you know, scary, different, but there's something to it. And if it catches on, it, it changes things. And I hope that happens here. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because um, when, I mean, we look at, <laughs> when we just go back to 
We got Mark Hanter's podcast that just came out. His episode just came out yesterday. The week before that was Daniel Kotke. The week, week before that was Jeff Pulver. And then the week before that was my friend, Ernest White II. Those four people is the reason why you and I are now connected. And, but it also was because of (laughs) another side thing that happened with, with Todd, you know, my, my now uh, former co-host, because a couple back in September, he decided, um, you know, this was something he wasn't going to be able to do. He actually did some deep shamanic work and his higher self told him he needed to let something go. So at that time he had let go of uh, what was, you know, with that's my irony as, as a business partner with myself, which was what we were originally looking at. And it was so funny because he had an intellectual um, property trademark patent lawyer friend. And as soon as that happened, I knew that that wasn't the person I was supposed to work with. And so that's when I asked Mark Cantor, who I had Uh just met weeks before just a couple weeks before. And I asked him and I'm like, hey, I, I really need help with, um, with, with getting this. I know what I have is intellectual property. And I, I really need to know how to protect myself. I said, do you know any lawyers? And that's when he, when he connected us. But well, the Mark, fun- Mark, and I, Mark and I have had some amazing chapters over a very long period of time. We won't go over them here, but they could each become a separate episode and I'm sure I'm sure this is a big chapter because ultimately I do think that there's a connection between your concepts and the way you're expressing them Mark's concepts and the way he's expressing them and instigate and here's the big other thing the notion of where LinkedIn LinkedIn is today mm-hmm. compared to the LinkedIn that you may end up creating through your myronic approach of getting a group of people to create a thread. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. Yeah, there's an invention there. There's like a threaded list of people that create more value together in a group. LinkedIn has the beginning of it, but they haven't quite filled in all the blanks. And of course, maybe they never will because LinkedIn is part of Microsoft and Oftentimes when businesses get uh, bought by bigger businesses, they sort of just peter out. I mean, LinkedIn will serve its purpose as kind of a flat file, Uh but the dimensionality of adding this sort of layer upon layer upon layer of how a person is truly interrelated to the beginning of a bigger idea. Right. That is a future system that has not yet come to fruition Mm-hmm. that may flow out of some of the stuff we discuss. And so I'm, I'm happy to partner with you on all this stuff because I really think that's the future and we're going to see an explosive development of it as we see more and more people realize that there's value in connections that they, their intuition says there's something there, but they haven't honed their intuition in the way you have. Right. To really create the kind of value that you create in the way you observe things. And as you know, I ask you to look at some of my cases from an intuition point of view, because I think you've got a very deep intuition on how people are treated and how people treat other people. 
Right, right. Well, it's so funny because I was just trying to find, I don't know why I didn't pull this up before, but I, it was your answer when Mark introduced us. Now here's going back to, you know, cause this is all about Myrony. And so I want the listeners to hear how you have now become my business partner, which I am beyond excited. You are one of the biggest visionaries I've ever, like you really, like yours, you think so far outside the box. I, I'm so excited to see what we can create with this because I truly believe this word is meant to be in people's vocabulary, just like selfie, but it myrony is way better because it's not just about us. And so that where is where I'm just trying to pull up. I have to pull it up really quickly, but the message that Mark, so Mark introduced us. And again, mm-hmm. this is within hours of Todd telling me that he wasn't able to do Myrony anymore. And, and I was just like, okay, I don't feel like I have any loyalty to this other person. And so with, 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 um, with Mark, it was, you know, he introduced us and it was your freaking response that was so, I was like, oh my God. Well, now let's first put, let's first go back to the Myrony of your name, Jack. My dad's name was Jack. And so that was my, that was Myrony number one. Myrony number two, Mark's like, oh, he has a podcast. What lawyers have freaking podcasts? Yeah, it's like 1% of us. And it's usually, I mean, the part I often say is what lawyer who's actually practicing law has the podcast because we all have only a certain amount of time. Right. It's typically like the lawyers who really have nothing else to do they're either retired or they haven't quite built a practice yet. So we squeeze it in at Computer Law Group. We squeeze it in, in all sorts of different ways, catching people off guard and saying, hey, let me <laughs> let me record this and let's turn it into a podcast. And they're like, okay, okay, okay. But I don't know what, what I'm saying is okay. I said, don't worry about it. We'll make sure that we bleep out all the stuff that you want bleeped out. And most people, of course, are fine. I mean, and the authenticity counts for a lot. But in general, I would say that practicing lawyers, there's very few practicing lawyers with a very active practice like we have that take the time. And as you know, it does take some time. Oh, yeah. You do have to set up equipment and make sure the lighting is right and do a bunch of stuff that isn't yet totally out of the box. It should be. It will be someday. In fact, we're talking about building some podcast booths in our office so that (laughs) there's like quiet because a lot of the office space is sort of open space and you really do need some quiet. You can't have trucks passing by and sort of ruining the stereo, but conceptually this future of being able to, to tell stories and to see the interconnectedness of them and to teach in a way that allows people to understand what you do and how they should think about going to a lawyer or going to any professional becomes pretty important. And I've even seen some really dry CPAs come out of their shell and talk about things that they often didn't talk about in public. Like how does the IRS handle things? It was always like a black art and a hidden thing. So I think this podcasting thing two years ago when it was first starting, a lot of people like who has time for that? Who's gonna do it? But man, it's exploded. And it's really created a lot of different channels for learning, for entertainment, for information exchange. I mean, you, you mentioned whatever it is, and it's become 
really almost every topic on that subject. So oh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. There's so many podcasts and I mean, podcasts has actually been out since I think like 2012 was when they were really starting to like people were really kind of just getting into it, but it's exploded. And it, and it, it's so interesting because podcasts are what keeps most people's attention the longest, which is pretty interesting. You look well, at because, because, because TV, I mean, as, as you know, I've been in Florida because my brother died and a whole series of things happened with my mom who's 90 it's a long long story but the short version of it is that you know the people are getting information these days is not face-to-face meetings that's just not happening anymore right i mean people there are still people that go to offices but fundamentally they close the doors and keep people away when they're in the office they don't really interact with meetings. so the meetings are all zoom-based meetings and i think the people that have been out there on podcasts, doing video recordings, doing audio recordings, they actually tend to be better at the Zoom-based meetings as a result. So I've been saying to all the lawyers and other professionals in my office, you should get better and better at doing this stuff because it is going to make a difference. Yes, absolutely. We may see it it become the norm where the interactions are this virtual approach. Now, I'm not super in favor of it because i believe there is a metabolic field that gets created between two people three people four people a group i agree and and when that happens and there's really an orchestration of ideas and an orchestration of communication amazing things can flow out of it at the same time sometimes there's no metabolic field and it can be very negative and people talk about all the oxygen in the room being let out somehow like per the the, the interesting statement he entered the room and all of a sudden all the oxygen was gone or she entered the room and all of a sudden all the oxygen is gone and we felt that and there are people studying this notion that atoms get exchanged i mean we know this now because the virus is so, so on everyone's mind there's an atomic exchange within a a room Mm -hmm. and in that exchange, there's either momentum that creates new value because neurons are firing faster and they almost fire together. Now, if we had the ability to instantly go and someday we will pull up Ted talk where this exact thing is talked about in a big Ted conference room or a big Ted auditorium where occasionally a speaker just has that whole group completely wrapped or it happens in movies yeah i mean the last movie i remember i went to which was quite a while ago i mean I, last movie i went to where i did this quite a while ago and i think it was the only movie i ever did this as an adult in was um it was a western and there was a moment in the film where revenge was being taken by who's the guy that's the uh, mayor of carmel and he's now a very famous, famous actor in Westerns and then became a very famous director, Clint Eastwood. Oh, and the Clint Eastwood movie, Unforgiven, there's a scene in that movie. And I remember being in a San Francisco theater. I was living in San Francisco at the time. And there was a revenge scene that happened. I remember the, audi- the, the auditorium, the, the theater was completely quiet. And I remember just getting up, standing, standing up and screaming, fuck him up. (laughs) (laughs) Started climbing. And there was a metabolic field. And I don't know what 
got into me at that point, but I was so wrapped into the movie and the moment and all the energy. And I think when that happens and the whole audience just goes into an uproar, that's like the metabolic field is at its height. So I do think we'll go back to meeting once the vaccine really is proven and people take it and all the other stuff yeah. plays yeah. out. Because I think the Zoom stuff's okay, but I don't know that we'd want to do this forever. I just no, think it's not, a lot maybe of not. Right maybe not forever, but it, it does actually save so much time also. And I think it's also connecting us on a global level on a much, in a much different way that we would have, if we kept doing what we're, what we've been doing. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's positive, positive and negatives to everything, but that's where this concept of myrony is always looking from a much higher perspective. So I want to go back because I found the email that this okay. is what you sent me. Okay. And this was the most perfect response anybody could have ever sent me that I knew immediately you were the one I needed to connect with. So okay. you wrote, uh, so Mark introduced us and, you know, told you a little bit about Myrony. And this is what you wrote. Einstein called it spooky physics. Bortz calls it the sixth field. Some think it is proof of God or at least a higher power. We can talk tonight and then you give me your phone number. Now, the right. biggest irony for me is that in your phone number is the number 4224. 422 is the number that I consider irony. So you have it forward and backwards in your number. Like I could not have been given more signs, but then there's even one bigger sign. And so we're, we're, I just want to dive into this a little bit because this one was crazy. Now, this is actually connected to Daniel Kotke. Did I ever share with you the video that um, th that I took right before I met Daniel Kotke? I know I told you the story. So for listeners, Daniel Kotke, um, which was two episodes ago, he actually was the first part-time employer of, of Apple. And he was extremely screwed over by Steve Jobs as a friend. Like they actually went to India together and he was the one that actually introduced Steve Jobs to spirituality. But the most interesting part about this is that when I ran into him randomly after five years when we first met and I was like, this is really crazy. I was like, I feel like we should, you know, get together and sit down and talk. As I'm driving up to meet him, I saw so many signs. Did I ever share this video with you? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to share this. It's a short video okay. and, and I know you're on a time constraint today. So no, it's okay. you're, you're going to play it. Yeah. I'm going to play it really quick. Okay, Cause it's it. like, a, it's like a minute, but just give me okay. a moment just to find mm -hmm. it really quickly because this, I think you're going to find this really funny okay. um, because it, it connects to something that I was seeing over and over and over for like over a year. And I'll share it in one second once. Okay, here we go. Okay, so I'm just gonna play it. It's gonna play in just a second. There we go. So I never post videos. However, this is crazy. I'm about to meet. Whoop. Oh, that's great. It's my internet's not working right here. Hold on. <laughs> 
Oh, you're going to play it on your phone. You're yeah, I'm just it playing it on my phone because it was a video I took while I was like about to enter. Now, okay. while this is doing whatever stupid thing, hold on, let's just yeah. try this again. Uh, while this was, um, while this was happening, I also never take videos. Never. I. And that's the funniest part. Is like I am so not a selfie person. Okay. And so I. Um, I'm just gonna go back. This is crazy. I'm about to meet someone that I met um, a few years back, and we ran into each other randomly. And I've had this weird feeling that, you know, he and I are supposed to talk further. And I swear the signs that have just shown up are literally crazy. My number of 222 appeared in front of me after I had just gotten gas. And then I was on the highway, and I see AXN. JXN, Action Jackson. I don't know what's up with Jackson, but it keeps showing up. And then I pulled into the wrong parking lot, one parking lot over, and I saw 4222. So 422 and 222 all in the same thing. So I'm going to bet that this meeting with this person is going to be awesome. And uh, I can't wait to see what transpires from this. Hashtag that's irony. Okay. Oh, so you, you made a note. You made a note to self as a self video, but yeah. that's kind of an exception that you don't really do that all the time. I never do that unless I actually. The only time I take pictures is when I feel that intuitive pull to do it. If you saw my pictures, they are all full of license plates. I believe we get a lot of messages in that. But then that's where this gets so funny because for about a year, I would keep seeing the word Jackson everywhere everywhere and my mom's pet name for my dad was Jackson and I've always loved the word name Jackson and and so I was just like what's up with Jackson and there was this book by Laura Lynn Jackson that um, she wrote this book called the light between us and she's a psychic medium who talks about all her all her gifts and that book is how I discovered I have the gift of claircognizance which is this gift of knowing where you just know things and you don't know why but then you and I have a conversation and I find out that your dad used to call you Jackson. Right. Now what's even the bigger- Because his, because his name was Jack as well. So I was Jack's son. So, that, you know, Jack's son. So it became Jack's son. Yeah. Right? But I find it even more interesting because your real name you told me is Giacomo. Right, so, that's I mean, his name too. Right. That's his name too, the Italian Giacomo Russo, right? Giacomo, like Giacomo Puccini. Right. It's a very famous name in Italy, but not so much in the US. But can you, I mean, that myronic connection of Daniel Kaki, which is who connected me to Mark Cantor, to right. continue the friendship connection with Mark Cantor, which is how we connected. And I had seen Jackson for no joke, at least a year. Right. So you might say the more general thing is you actually look for signs and a lot of people don't. A lot mm -hmm. of people live their world, like I call it, from one email to another, from one phone call to another, from one meeting to another. And there's no real power of observation or there's no exercise of observation. Correct. Like they don't yeah. really try to... Uh, put together signs mm -hmm. like I occasionally will pick up a piece of trash off the street just to clean the street 
walking around, say, Portola Valley or walking around Palo Alto. And I'll look at, well, what is it? You know, what did I just pick up? What just got in my way? Maybe there's something here <laughs> that's worth thinking about. And occasionally you'll see like, like a note that'll be like, there's something on that note that's worth connecting a dot to. Now there's a, sort of this question of, it becomes a little mystical and for some people it becomes irrational. But again, mm -hmm. Einstein talked about spooky connections and we've seen movies that say, a butterfly fluttering in Bolivia may cause something to happen in Japan. Yeah, we've, we've seen and heard all these things about how there's an interconnectedness in so many different ways. And we know that climate has had a role throughout the entire world. And some people are blaming climate change on this current virus. And it's almost like the globe has become too overloaded. And some people say it's too much population. And some people say it's too much pollution. But put that controversy aside and just talk about maybe there is something to just increasing observational power. And what Myrony is about is getting people to exercise a muscle that's been dormant. Yes, that's exactly it. Dorm, dormant, right? So conceptually, so many people learn so many things in so many rote ways and it's not really expanding their powers of perception in ways that I think the Myrony principles or the principles you're extending from some of the authors that you've read that I think <laughs> had a big influence on you. And you're standing on their shoulders and saying, let's make this more educational and more valuable. And then let's use examples along the way, which are out of your life, but then examples that, like, I think I inevitably came to Florida to learn something that I would other that I will otherwise get great value and maybe give great value about what is really happening to older people in America. Now I don't know if it's going to turn into a legal case. I don't know if it's going to turn into a movie. I don't know if it's going to come turn to a TV series, but I think there's a reason I'm here that transcends my mother's exact situation. When you start thinking that way, you start thinking in a bigger picture way about a lot of things. If more people did that, we would have more creative value generated and really a faster or different or better perhaps evolution of the world. Yes. And I think yes. Mark aimed to do the same thing with animations. Jobs mm -hmm. aimed to do the same thing with computing power. He used to call it the bicycle of the mind. You're expanding. You know, if you're on a bicycle, you're going like five times faster than walking and three times faster than running. And you're doing it what seems effortlessly because the mechanics of the bike, even an old bike, forget about the modern bikes with battery power and all this other stuff. Just an old, like I bought out here because I didn't have one an old like 1950 Schwinn old bike. I mean, it's probably worth a lot more than I paid for it. It's a classic, right. but even it with its limited gearing and it's limited everything, man, it propels you and you're off going 20 miles an hour. And you know, you can't walk 20 miles an hour. Most people can't even walk three miles an hour. So you're going like seven times faster than you would be going walking. Well, Jobs and Wozniak, you know, Steve and Steve were really 
saying, we're going to build something that is going to be the bicycle for your mind. It's going to amplify everything you do. And there was a lot of like, nah, that's not going to happen. Of course it happened. And then all these software guys like Mark come in afterwards and say, I want to put stuff on the bicycle and make it better. I want to make it more powerful. I want to make it do things. And now we even see that sort of playing out with the automobile because a Tesla is like a computer that happens to have four wheels around it and it's going to drive itself and it's going to do a lot of other stuff. And you could say this sort of principle extends itself, but it's because those people sort of push the envelope. Mm -hmm. And that's a bit of what this next step that myrony and the interconnectedness of the internet, because you're getting this stuff amplified now in a global way. There are people all over the world that listen to your podcast and they will tell other people who will tell other people. And that starts this movement. And once you get that movement going, there's all sorts of other expansion that come out of it. I mean, let's face it, the iPhone was not invented by Steve Jobs or Steve Wozniak. Right. It was actually right. invented by the guy who created the better version of an mp3 player saying i can make a music device that's better because it'll have the phone in it jobs just took over i'm the inventor because hey we got to be able to tell that story as though i'm the inventor we all know that on the inside apple wants to create this you know different image and they have but the point is it's because people bought into the apple brand the Apple movement that that became like almost a religion. It became like, I'm going to give my ideas to the Apple side of the camp, as opposed to say the Android side, or as opposed to, you know, the IBM old guard Intel PC side, you know, the really old guard thing. So, right. you know, these things happen in ways that create even more value once you get the movement going. And so that's, that's kind of a long answer to how can this myrony movement, which is really standing on the shoulders of other writers who have talked about this, but really not amplify the message the way you're amplifying it. Yeah, I really want to get it out to people who don't even know what they're looking for. I want to share this, uh, these different ways of looking, this wisdom, this insight because I truly believe it can, it, in some cases, it will save people's lives like it did mine, you know? And I just feel it's my, I feel it's my responsibility to the world to be able to do this because I would hope to think that everything that I've been through, there's a higher reason behind it, you know? And so I'm very proud to be the creator of this crazy word, even though I just, um, I feel like I'm just a messenger for it, but you know, it's, uh, but I, I'm just so excited to have you as my, as my partner and, you know, really making this something that everyone in the world knows about because why it is a little bit different than synchronicity or sign it's the action. So we say synchronicity in motion. It's what we do because we'll see it, but how many people actually act on it? So that's why I love the irony of action Jackson that much more. It wasn't well, even just Jackson. Well, well the, the one thing most people listening to this should realize that you at a relatively young age have figured out what your mission in life is. There are a lot of people, including people like Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, 
that took a long time to realize, hey, what we're really doing is we're revolutionizing the way computing power is put into the hands of people. I mean, they, they sort of wanted to make money, but they sort of realized it was sort of a hippie movement afoot, which was, hey, we don't like, you know, you know, the boss or we don't like Big Blue or we don't like Big IBM controlling the distribution of computing power because that really should be in the hands of the people it was very much how are we democratizing computing but it took a while to get them to the point of we're really leading this mission more than just building a company and you are sort of saying the same thing at a relatively young age and a lot of people get into their 60s 70s and 80s and then realize well the reason i am here is this and then they can actually act on it oftentimes they don't have enough years to do it but conceptually i think anyone listening to this has to applaud you in saying wow she knows why she's here and she is going to put all her focus to that mission and she is going to amplify that message and she's going to get a group of people around her to get that to happen and you know there's very few people like you're maybe top 1% that can actually say, I have figured that out. I figured out why I'm here and I figured out what my message has to be. And I think that if we got more and more people in that direction, again, the world would be a better place. Like to me, th this funny thing about, well, why was Trump made president? I don't think he ever wanted to be president of the United States. I, I think he really wants to be the richest person in the world and has tried to like scratch his way to the top of getting that to happen, but it's not happening for him. And I think he's still trying to scratch his way. He's rich and he may be one of the top 500 richest people maybe in the world, but man, you know, the presidency was just sort of a, a way to get to the next step of getting to that next step. And he must be so jealous of people like Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and, you know, other billionaires that are ahead of him. I yeah. mean, it's like yeah. stories that are coming out about this, about whether he really is what he is and his tax return. And I don't want to turn the direction political, but, you know, different people end up being in different positions and yet they still don't necessarily know why they're here on earth. They, they have not asked the basic philosophical question what am I here for and how can I use whatever talent I have to make whatever that goal is or whatever that purpose is really happen? So I applaud you that you've gotten there. It's probably taken a few chapters and a few turns and a few restaurants and a few, you know, car sales. <laughs> car a few, sales. Yeah, insurance sales, insurance real estate. Sales. <laughs> and mean, now I'm and now I'm being told to work with you as a paralegal to do well, some I gotta stuff. Train you and, in, I got to yeah. train you in law so you can understand some of my, my ironies that I play out from some of the cases. Because the cases, you know, the one thing about practicing law is you become privy to so much interesting, rich material about real live controversies and how they get generated. And then of course you have to respect confidentiality. So you have to take names out and places out and just talk in a more generic way, which makes it a little less rich, but often the abstraction enables you to see weird, funny connections about, gosh, no one saw this, but they saw this. And had they seen that, maybe they would have put this together, you know, in ways that 
would have created more insight. And I think that's the mission in part that you're in. You're yeah. trying to help yeah. people create greater insight readily. Yes. Readily create greater insight. And you know, universities and colleges are supposed to do that through liberal arts training. It's not obvious to me that they really get it. But really I, think you have to, I think you have to look at it from that higher perspective. You know, it's like so many people now spirituality is becoming a lot more open of a conversation, which I absolutely love. I love the fact that people can be talking about this openly and not necessarily be judged for it. And, you know, and it's not to change anybody's religion, but it's just to maybe open up a way of thinking, you know, it's like, how can we, how can we say whatever it is that we believe is the only way to believe, you know? And so all I want to do is just bring this awareness that I was gifted, which did you ever end up reading uh, Many Lies, Many Masters? I yes. know we were doing the Blinkist. Yes, but. <laughs> yes, yes. No, I'm going to read all that guy's books. You have me hooked into it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, you, we'll you get have into. Me, you have me convinced. And, you know, he, is, he was, of course, a practicing clinical psychiatrist who had real patients. So he was a good example of someone who was pulling data abstracting it and using it as part of his own understanding of the way people put certain patterns of thought together, the way in which they either reason or don't reason, the way they get insight or don't get insight. And, you know, we haven't even talked about, and I think there's eventually an extension of the show about how either couples, you know, people who are either business partners or are romantic partners, do it or don't do it successfully. So, you know, the, the story I would end on today, because we're out of time, it's yes. a good one, is my mom and dad met when my mom was like 16 and was like five years older. And so she he was like 21. So he she looked older for her age. He, I guess, looked younger for his age. And they met in New York and fell in love and were married by the time she was 18 and he was 23. And they had kids relatively early in life and they lived a relatively long life and a long marriage i mean 67 years or so of marriage and he died five years ago and she's now 90 and still alive and and still kicking although you know lots of issues but we'll leave that part out but they were in business together for 60 years successfully But they fought all the time. And as kids, the three of us, my brother, of course, is now deceased, but the three of us, the youngest, I mean, long story about cigarettes and throat cancer and lung cancer and the rest, and another interesting story to tell about that. But conceptually, they were in business for six plus decades, and they fought all the time. And as kids, we would think, God, they're going to get divorced. They're always fighting. And of course... That was normal for the way in which they interacted and made their sort of of partnership work. So she's telling a lot of the stories now, which I need to start capturing on audio because a lot of them have baked in them different ironies that she's observing decades later that, oh, if we only knew this, oh, we knew that, oh, we thought we saw this, oh, we thought I saw this, I saw that, you know, great stories. Like, she really wanted to take some of the money that came from the business and buy these beachfront lots in 
in Fire Island, which is out in the Hamptons in Manhattan. My dad was totally against it. And of course, now these properties are worth huge amounts. So she talks about how I would be a billionaire with a B if your father only let me buy these lots that were empty. But my father was like, they're never going to finish the freeway. No one's going to go out there. It's just a bunch of swampland. No one's going to want it. My mom was like, there'll be helicopters from the roofs of Manhattan that will fly to the eastmost point of Long Island. And, you know, that's really what turned out to be true. So she had vision. Yeah. And yeah. She, she saw things other people didn't see. And now she's looking back and said, God, your father fought me on so many things. And I, and I should have asserted myself. But women didn't assert themselves back then. And, you know, imagine how much value was lost because of that inequality between men and women in business together. They were equal partners from an economic point of view, but not really equal from a management point of view. And she's sort of relating these stories. And, of course, it makes you crack up because now you know how the story would have ended, which is, yeah, you would have been a billionaire. It's true. And then I would be in a different place as well because, you know, she'd be like, I would have given you a bunch of money too. And I said, that's okay, Ma. You never paid for anything. I'm fine with that. You never paid for any of my schooling, any of my, anything other than high school. They didn't pay for college, business school, law school, any of this other stuff. I worked my way through, but it was probably a good thing as it turned out. So, you know, you look at these stories and they all sort of make sense. And now if you imagine Myrony allowing you to have a greater forward insight, mm -hmm. it might have allowed my dad to say, you know, maybe you're onto something. Maybe you see something I don't see. So there's this couple, this idea of couples can complement each other with insight. And when that insight matches the way it did for Jobs and Wozniak, I mean, Wozniak was really kind of like the hands of Jobs in extending the ideas right into the circuit board. And he's still alive and getting him on the show, I'm sure he would tell, maybe I could help you get him on the show because he would tell a lot of good stories about, you know, how did they work as a really good partnership early on? And then how do they eventually- Yeah, well, we'll have to, we would have to, you know, the three of us, that would be awesome if we could, if we could make that happen. And I'm going to oh, recommend- would be, He would be a great, because I think he, he now sees things that I'm guessing he probably wishes he was a little more adamant the way, say, my mom wishes she was a little more adamant. He had strong convictions about what the life could be of the product lines that they were working on and what would happen. But, you know, He's also very, you know, careful not to hurt the Apple brand in any way. And he's supporter, probably still a big shareholder as well. So it certainly is. He's certainly done quite well. So big applause to you if, if you're listening, Steve. And we should send Steve a copy because his name gets used a lot. But he was really a very important person in the startup of Apple. You know, he ultimately... Oh, yeah did a lot of sacrifice to make that company go. And then he also is the one that gave money stocks to those that. That's jobs. right. He made, he made it right to yeah. all the people that to all the people that the other screw, the other Steve kind of screwed the good Steve the or good. Steve that was a little more gracious was like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. He had a bigger picture notion of, mm. of, of creating value and making sure people were taken care of. That, that the other Steve, and maybe the karma in this, oddly, is he looks like he's going to outlive 
uh, Steve Jobs by decades. I mean, I think it's been a couple of decades already that he's outlived uh, Jobs because I think Jobs died pretty much after the iPhone was introduced. I want to say the iPhone was introduced in 2000, 2007, 2008, and we're in 2020. I think he died like a year after that in 2009. I think I think I think it's been at least a decade that Steve Jobs is dead, but we'll, we'll look that up. And well, it'd be, it would be a very interesting conversation if we if uh, you, Daniel Kaki and Steve Wozniak could all be on the same interview. That would be right. amazing because I mean, sure, of how. I'm, yeah, how I'm, interconnected I'm, it is. That would be amazing. So. I know, Jackie, we're going to be continuing these conversations many times. We got so much to dive into. I'm going to tell you the next book you should check out, which kind of talks about relationships and soulmate relationships. That one is Only Love is Real by Dr. Brian Weiss. So we're okay. going to have an episode after you get through all the books, and we're going to have a major fun conversation around them because the level of insight that like uh, many lives, many masters, that is the tip of the iceberg. So you, okay. you're, you're getting so, to go down a fun, I, I like good. to call it the spiritual rabbit hole. <laughs> so let, let's, let's end with this, even though it's not positive. Steve Jobs' date of death was October 5th, 2011. That's nine, nine years ago, about, you know, a, a, a couple of, you know, October 5th. So my birthday is October 12th. And I remember when he died because... I was, it was like a week before my birthday. And I thought to myself, God, you know, he really had every reason to live a very long life and he didn't. And, and here's Wozniak, who I think did give away a lot more of his wealth as compared to yeah. Jobs. I mean, Jobs eventually did create a foundation. I think his wife, uh, Lauren is doing fabulous things with that foundation. She's one of the richest women in the world as a result of having married Steve and the Apple stock and these other companies that they invested in doing really well. But the point is that he really didn't get this sort of gracious third phase of his life where he could have maybe become president of the United States and, and as an immigrant, as an immigrant, because his, his father was an, as a son of an immigrant because his father was an immigrant. So it would have been quite a great story. So you never know what could have been, should have been, or would have been. But it's interesting if he had had the insight to realize that his wealth could have been used to uh, enable so much more that his wife is now doing. So that's great. But it's too bad that he didn't do it. It's too bad he didn't live a lot longer. And it would be great to have Wozniak and, and others who were there at the very early, early stages of Apple in fact, even the lawyers who were, a lot of them are retired from Davis, Stafford, Kelman, and Fenwick, now Fenwick and West, but getting them on to sort of say, yeah, this is the way it happened. Yeah. And I always yeah. say in the back of my mind, Wozniak even was the one who ended up coming up with the cash fee that had to be paid because they wouldn't, they wouldn't take any stock at all. So they ended up requiring a retainer and taking a bunch of money and they really wouldn't partner with them. And there's a lot of stories that flow from that. It'd be interesting to get them on too, because it would be quite um, a story about how this company that has become the wealthiest or richest or biggest yeah. company from a valuation point of view in the world ha has 
essentially this very authentic beginning in Silicon Valley in ways that resulted in a lot of different people all being touched in one way or the other. And of course, the products now touch almost everyone in the United States. And well, really you'll, have, you'll have to listen to Daniel's episode, Daniel Kaki's episode, because what he shares about the early days of Apple and, and how that all happened. But then you hear the myronies that are connected to that. And it's just it, it's just it's so unbelievable. And I know we, you and I, we could talk for hours and hours, but I know you got to get back to your case. Right. So I'm so just- you should, you should write up some thoughts about this LinkedIn idea, because I do think there's a super version of LinkedIn that will have this sort of connect the dots element that Myrony brings to it. And this might be the future multi-billion dollar inventive idea that we'll have to write some patents on. And yeah, I'm like, you don't want to give away all the, all yeah. of it over, you know, you, <laughs> just you might have to cut, you might have to bleep out some of this uh, <laughs> video to keep it confidential, but let's keep that thought going. And I'll look forward to seeing you in California next month. Yeah. Yeah. And then okay. I, and, and then just real quick, your podcast is the Valley current. And is there anywhere else for people to connect with you if they want to connect with oh, you? Oh, that's right. So computer law group is at www.computerlaw.com. We do answer the phone at 650-327-9800 as an acronym as it might be. We still have a regular phone line that actually rings in an office and People pick up, but of course, email is usually the way most people connect with us. And I'm Jay Russo, J R U S S O, at Computer Law. It's all one word, computerlaw.com. And that's probably the fastest, easiest way to connect to me. And of course, you can go to LinkedIn and find me there. And the website is computerlaw.com. And yeah, we, we do answer the phone. We do see startups that are at the very earliest stages. And even individuals that are, hey, I have an idea and I want to run with it. Would you help me run with it? And you're a good example because we believe in you and we hope that this takes off like a rocket because it is going to add a lot of value to the world. So we look forward to helping you. Oh, well, thank you, Jack. It's been you're such welcome. a pleasure and I uh, can't wait to have you on for another episode and we'll, we'll dive even deeper down that spiritual rabbit hole because I know you're going to have some fun with these books. So I like it. I like it. Thanks very much. <laughs> okay. Talk to you later. Thank you. I'll bye talk bye. to you soon. Bye. bye. <laughs> okay. Well, that's another episode of That's Myrony. Thank you so much. Uh, for joining me today on my first true solo episode. And um, if you have a Myrony that you want to share, you know, please uh, connect with me on um, at thatsmyrony.com. You can um, fill out uh, the email subscriber list and, you know, leave a message for me. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, wherever, wherever you need to connect. I am here. I want to hear your stories. Um, I'm actually want to do a series coming up about near death experiences. And, you know, for those that had those experiences, but they like literally like had those outer body experiences. So if you have a story that you want to share, please connect with me. And until next time, I hope you are able to find the Myronies in your life the way that they have shown up in mine and keep having those fun, myronic experiences. Thanks again. See you soon. Thank you all for joining me on That's Myrony Podcast. 
I hope you enjoyed the Myronic stories shared today and possibly got you to connect to the Myronies in your own life. As you listen to this podcast, you'll start catching signs that are so subtle but can have the biggest impact on your life. So pay attention to that inner voice and watch the Myronies appear in your life just like the guest in my next episode. And please connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and that's myrony.com where you can share your unbelievable Myronies. Also, if you enjoyed what you heard and can take a moment to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform, it would mean so much because that is how others are able to find this podcast. Finally, please also tell your friends and family about Myrony because wouldn't it be fun to see people share their Myronies on social media in addition to their selfies? And remember, if something happens that makes you say, well, that's ironic, it's not ironic at all. It's Myronic. Now that's Myrony. See you next time.